0: I had an example of somebody on our podcast, Conversion Cast, and one of the most interesting case studies I've ever heard of is that she sends three emails a day. Wow. And she has a zero unsubscribe rate.
1: I'm Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com, and this episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service, which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high-value customers. Book a call with me on ProductiveInsights.com forward slash podcast hyphen to discuss how we can get started. As always, I will link to that page in the show notes. Now, if you like this episode, you will also like episode five with Jake Hauer who's the Fused app creator. We talk a lot about increased customer retention through automated marketing. Episode number 20 with Raven Tools founder, John Henshaw on integrated marketing solutions. Episode number 26 with Ryan Levesque on the Ask Formula and how to ask your way to profit. Episode 38 with Rand Fishkin, where we talk about creating great SEO-friendly content and how that helps your conversions. Episode number 41 with Eric Enger, the founder of Stone Temple Consulting, where we talked about mobile get-in and why that is so important for your website. Episode 68 with Aaron Fletcher on how to create sales funnels and lead magnets that really work. And episode number 82 which talks about how to use the Google Display Network to maximize your marketing ROI and your conversions through sensible use of advertising. And of course, as always, the links to all these episodes will be included in the show notes.
0: Hi, this is Joe Polizzi with the Content Marketing Institute, and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on the Productive Insights Podcast. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy.
1: Our guest today is the host of Conversion Cast, which is the official Leadpages podcast show and has hosted over 450 webinars that helped Leadpages generate over 44,000 paying customers and 200,000 new leads. He's also a professional voiceover actor with clients like The CW, The UFC, Tomy Toys, and The Travel Channel. I'm delighted to welcome Tim Pages, I'm delighted to welcome Tim Page of LeadPages.net. Welcome, Tim.
0: Thanks for having me on, man. And it's okay. Tim Page's LeadPages, were were connected. It's <laughs> it's one thing. The brand was named after me, even right. though I wasn't a part of the company then. Yeah,
1: <laughs> That is pretty cool, man. Well, congratulations on being the reason for the name of the brand. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> if only it were true. <laughs>
1: Okay, so Tim, we are going to be talking about conversion, one of my favorite topics, and one of my biggest bugbears is how so many people online are obsessed with the idea of traffic, when mm-hmm. traffic that is not engaged might as well not really exist, because it's not about traffic, it's about engaged traffic, it's about converting that traffic, those browsers, into paying lifelong customers. Yeah. So, Let's define conversion. Let's set the stage here. Why don't you talk to us about your views on conversion, why you think it's so important for business as opposed to traffic, and how you define conversion.
0: Sure. Well, a lot of people, when they hear conversion, they're thinking of like converting to some religion or something like that. <laughs> but uh, when we're talking about online marketing, conversion can be any number of things. You know, it can be a sale. It can be somebody clicking through to your website from search. It can be uh, giving you their email address. But you know, basically conversion is the act of getting somebody to take the action you want them to take. And so there are often two big conversion points people are talking about. They're usually talking about either somebody opting in for your email list Mm -hmm. or somebody buying your product. Those are the two big conversions people talk about, but there are so many other conversions involved. And people often ask me, you talk about growing your email list. You talk about getting people on your list to buy stuff. But how do I even get somebody to a landing page in the first place? Mm. And the funny part about it is often we have this best backwards way of doing things yeah like we <laughs> we have this idea that we need to send a bunch of traffic and then we should figure out the conversion after that. but it's actually the other way around if you went out right now and you spent uh fifty thousand dollars and and two weeks worth of time doing everything you could to get your site ranked in the search engines and sending lots of Facebook ads and AdWords ads and every other kind of thing, and you sent lots of traffic to your website, but it wasn't optimized to convert. You didn't have great lead magnets. You didn't have great landing pages. You didn't have a follow-up sequence in place that turned subscribers into customers. Most of that money would be wasted, and chances are, no matter how good your offer was, you would end up broke as a result of all that effort. So we encourage people to do is exactly what we do, is optimize first, get your conversion strategy in place, get the lead magnets ready, get your follow-up sequence ready, and then start driving the traffic. Because then when you spend a dollar on sending somebody to your website, It returns a dollar fifty or more, right? And you can continue to get that traffic.
1: Exactly. Now let me just demystify a couple of terms for our listeners. So when we say lead magnet, we are talking about some kind of a downloadable PDF. Sometimes it could be an offer for a course. Sometimes it could be just a video, but it's some exchange of value where the browser or the prospect gets some kind of information or some kind of value in exchange for giving you their email address so it's a fair ethical exchange some people call it an ethical bribe to subscribe but Mm -hmm. they basically join your list and the whole point of grabbing their email address is so that you as a potential seller can then control the conversation with that prospect and they don't forget about you because something north of 90% of people that land on your website are never gonna come back to your website unless you have a way of conversing with them and delivering value to them. And these, at the moment, it is through email address.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, think about it this way. Just as a, a quick example, let's say somebody, a friend, posts a link to an article on Facebook, an interesting article. Most of the time, if you're like me, and I know that you might be, Most of the time, you'll click that link. You'll go read the article if it's interesting to you. Then you'll go right back to Facebook so you can engage in the conversation with your friend on Facebook about that article Hmm. and probably forget all about that website. Right. It's very rare that we click that link. We go read that article, and then we start clicking around and doing other things and bookmark it and make sure we – we don't do that. We just read the article and go back to Facebook. Hmm. So offering that lead magnet, the thing you give away in exchange for somebody's email address, is a way to get them onto your list so that you can keep that conversation going with them and you can keep them engaged and you can meet them where they are as opposed to begging and pleading and hoping they come back to where you are.
1: And that's another great point you just made about meeting people where they are. I really enjoyed my conversation recently with Joe Polizzi, the founder of Content Marketing Institute, and he made a really good point. He said, your content, we're going slightly off topic here, but I need to say this, your content should meet the customer or the prospect where they are. And he was talking about how so many businesses produce content just around their product instead of fitting their content into the life of their customer, into mapping it to their customer's journey. So they're really solving the customer's problems rather than trying to just say, look at my product look at my product here's another way of looking at my product
0: yep so true that's really what it is and your content should be speaking to problems pain points and frustrations that your audience has and in exchange you're showing that you have leadership that you're there to provide value and then when you ask them to buy something they're thinking about wow all this free stuff has been great i can't imagine how wonderful the paid stuff is i'm in
1: Exactly. You've added value. You've delivered a transformation. You've delivered a result to them through your content in exchange for which they are willing to give you their custom and buy a product through you.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's the point at which you as the entrepreneur, as the marketer, the business owner, you have to then be ready to receive. You have to be ready to have somebody Give you their money, and I know it's this again. Com- Maybe completely off topic, but I find so many folks are so good at giving. Yeah, they're so good at providing value and helping other people that when it comes to accepting the money, it becomes this thing and this inner struggle and this inner battle. You have to be ready to accept that, to to receive that, and say, okay, I've provided the value. Now here's my exchange. Here's my part.
1: Now that's such a good point, Tim, because I have to confess that I struggle with that. And I'm getting better at it. I'm training myself to think differently. But yes, particularly towards the beginning, when you're just trying to give your prospects value, you are so much in the giving mode that it does become a bit difficult to receive. You sort of think, well, do I have a right to, to receive this payment of some kind? But let's face it, content providers can't do this for free forever. It has to be a fair exchange for the business to keep running.
0: That's right. And so far, the people that have consumed your content enough to the point that they're ready to buy from you have decided that you provide enough value. And that's another one of the things that I think a lot of people struggle with is wondering if they're worth it and if their their information, their product that they created, their time, their effort, their energy is worth money. And even if you are the kind of person that has a hard time saying I'm worth somebody spending their money let your customer decide that. And if they've got their credit card out, they've decided you're worth it. So accept that and don't kind of degrade your potential customer by not being willing to say, okay, let's do this. Here's what I've got. And if you're going to bring your part, I'm going to bring my part.
1: That is such a great point. John Lee Dumas, who I spoke to earlier in this podcast, talked about the imposter syndrome. He talks about it often, I I don't know, Mm -hmm. but a lot of other people talk about it too. And I think that That is a big challenge for a lot of starting entrepreneurs, isn't
0: it? Yeah, a big, big challenge, especially for, you know, I've heard somebody say uh, heart-centered entrepreneurs, right? I mean, especially for people that just feel that they have something big to offer the world, that they want to make this change, they want to make this impact, they want to help people. So many people go at that and go, well, I want to help people, but am I really helping them if I'm asking them for $200 Mm. for this thing or $500 or $1,000? Yes, you are helping people because they have a goal they want to accomplish. And to them, that goal is more important to them than a few dollars in their bank account. And that's why it's your responsibility to help them with that thing. And in exchange, you're getting money out of it and you're growing your business. And, you know, if you are one of the many people that is, um, that's doing it on the side, working another job or doing something else, but that's your real passion. Well, then now this is bringing you closer to doing your passion so you can do more of your great work in the world.
1: Absolutely. If you don't make sure that your business is profitable, you're never going to be able to grow it and you're not going to be able to reach as many people with your solution if you could grow it. So I completely agree. It's important to think about it from that perspective and see it as almost a responsibility to Make sure you grow profitably and ethically. I'm not talking about growing at the expense of others. You deliver fair value, but then you accept that monetary exchange, which you have worked hard to earn.
0: Yep, and that's the perfect word, exchange. It's an exchange. They're getting something they want, and in exchange, you're getting money. They're getting a result, and you're getting money, and that's great because they were willing to trade that money. Yeah. In exchange for that result.
1: Okay, let's come back to the conversation we we're having about emails and delivering content consistently over time till the person becomes a customer. Something that I've always wondered about is how frequently should you email your list? Now, some people email their lists every day and I think that's excessive. Some people do it once a month and I think that's probably infrequent. And I get the argument that, you know, you could email them every minute as long as you're delivering value. It doesn't matter. The frequency doesn't matter. What matters is whether you're delivering value in every message. But what is your view on this? How frequently should you email your list?
0: Well, I disagree with that you can email as much as you want as long as you're delivering value. That's not always the case. I could find a way to talk about conversion all day long and be providing lots of value all day long, but nobody should watch me talk about it for 24 hours. <laughs> That's not going to be valuable to anybody even if I'm providing the value. Okay. So what I think is going to be best is what you test for your audience Because everybody's audience is going to be different. So we typically send an email about every three days. That's what works for us in our autoresponder sequence. But I had an example of somebody on our podcast, Conversion Cast, and one of the most interesting case studies I've ever heard of is that she sends three emails a day. Wow. And she has a zero unsubscribe rate. Nobody unsubscribes from her list three emails a day, and each email is her. She writes all the emails, but they they're written under different personas right so one is you know Kelly, one is Sheila, one is so you well, know and it's so it's three different emails and her niche is like relationship coaching for older men dating younger women mm hmm not in like a weird shady way, but just, you know, <laughs> different kind of relationship. And that's her thing. And so, you know, the morning one is like relationship getting closer. The kind of later one is like how to be entertaining. And then the late night one is kind of, you know, erotic. Right. right. And so she has a reason for doing what she does. She bases it on, Kind of similar to a TV entertainment schedule, like what they would talk about in their different segments. You know, at night it gets a little racier. Yeah, yeah. And she has great success with it I, and huge amounts of success. Digital marketer. I'm a big yeah. fan of digital marketer. They send an email every day, minimum. Sometimes mm. it's more. To me is a little bit overkill, but it's Mm. working because they're getting results. So again, the short version of this very long winded answer is test it for your audience and see what works best. If you see that you're getting a big unsubscribe rate, you might want to email less frequently. If you see that people aren't opening your emails and aren't clicking your links, you may want to email more frequently. But those are kind of the two things to keep in mind. Our unsubscribe rate. And activity, are they opening your email and clicking your links?
1: Right. And that's a good point, because if you don't email them frequently enough, they do forget that they've subscribed and you'll get probably, you know, you'll get spam complaints and stuff like that. But you email too frequently and you become a pain. So what's a good open rate and what's too high an unsubscribe rate?
0: it's all perspective. It's just so hard to say what's a kind of an average open rate. You'll have people tell you, oh, 1% is great. You'll have people tell you 50% is great. It all depends on the industry and how hard you're pushing the marketing on the front end. Some people are very aggressive with trying to get people to opt into their list and they're going to have a lower open rate. Some people are just subscribe if you want free updates. And those people might have a higher, a significantly higher open rate because people are literally looking for emails from them. So unfortunately, it's kind of different depending on the audience, the niche, and the way you market.
1: And then there are some people who are really skilled at email writing, like Andre Chaperon from Autoresponder Madness. And he's got Fantastic. this whole soap opera sequences thing going on, which for the listeners, it's kind of creating open loops in each email and keeps you hanging on, wondering what's going to come in the next email, much like a TV series, hence the term soap opera sequences and he gets pretty good open rates and he keeps talking about relevance, the importance of sending relevant content, but he gets away with sending emails pretty frequently and he uses the PS in his emails very effectively as well. So he's got a double story going, you know, like he's got the body of the email and then he's got something in the PS and there's always a little sort of surprise that keeps you wondering with the, in the PS section.
0: Yeah, he does a great job with the cliffhanger, unlike... The Walking Dead. But that's a story for another day. Are <laughs> <laughs> okay. any Walking Dead fans out there? The cliffhanger at the end of last season drove me nuts.
1: For the listeners, if you haven't checked this out, you know, Autoresponder Madness is a good course to check out that was created. It's great. It's great. Yeah, it was created by um, André Chaperon, and and he's written a great course. He's actually, I believe, fairly good friends with my friend James Schramko, and mm-hmm. so um, that's how I know of him. I haven't had the honor of having him on the show yet, but I hope to. Okay, so we've defined conversion. We've talked about why conversion is so important, and you gave us this incredible case study where this lady is sending three emails a day and she has got a zero unsubscribe rate. I mean, that's just blown me away. I, I didn't even know that was possible. But I didn't either. It comes back to, as you said, the market, the content, how the content is delivered, and all sorts of things. But on average, I would say you know, anything more frequently than a week is probably quite frequent to me anyway. And um, digital marketer does send emails every day, but I often wonder, you know, are they burning their list? You know, and burning the list for the listeners means just wearing them out. And sure, you sure. might get a higher conversion rate and you might get more sales, but then how much brand damage are you doing if you're sort of not harassing your audience, but if your audience really doesn't wanna hear
0: from you every day, I guess. I think it's really interesting. There are a few people that folks often use as an example of like, ah, geez, yeah, that might be working, but do I really wanna do that? And I don't necessarily agree with many things that they're doing, but what they're doing is intentional. And I'll give three examples. I have no problem bringing it up. Sure because I think it is important, you know, there is something to be said for doing something and it's okay that people don't like you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so digital marketer is one example. Now, Ryan Dice himself, I don't know how you couldn't like the guy. He's a great yeah. guy. He's fun to be around. He's nice to everybody, but they, they are very aggressive. They're an aggressive company. They aggressively market. You get a lot of emails. There's upsells, downsells all over the place, everywhere you go. Yeah. Um, and it does work. And people that are very serious marketers that are good with aggressive tactics that are into that don't mind mm-hmm. getting an email every day. I like it because it's an interesting case study for me. Mm. Another great example is Derek Halpern. Mm-hmm. So Derek Social Halpern triggers. From Social Triggers. Yeah. Also somebody that you love him or you hate him. Yeah. He's very, very aggressive, mm. very abrasive. He is straightforward. He has his opinions and they are, this is what it is. If you don't like it, F off, and yeah. it is is what it is. But again, he has a huge audience, a huge audience of people that love him, and the people that hate him don't buy from him, but they wouldn't buy from him anyway. Yeah. And another example, and this is one that is, I think, becoming more and more obvious lately. He kind of exploded onto the scene is Nathan Latka from Heyo.
1: Mm. I've spoken to him once.
0: Very polarizing. Yes. Yeah.
1: Very polarizing.
0: Again, people love him or hate him. And you really love him or you really hate him. He has his thing and it is what it is. But he generates a ton of attention in Hmm. the things that he does. And people really use it as a case study for what to do or what not to do. But again, very successful. His business is very successful. His customers are passionate and promote the heck out of what he's doing. All three of those companies have their own thing. But it's just a great example. And then there are other people who are kind of the exact opposite. There's Pat Flynn. Uh, right? He has incredibly devoted, passionate followers, but he also has a lot of people that don't care right mm-hmm. so it's like he doesn't really have people that hate him necessarily i've right. never talked to anybody who's ever been like oh Pat Flynn, he's a jerk because mm-hmm. he's pretty much one of the nicest human beings on the planet <laughs> but he is the complete opposite he is the one of the least aggressive marketers he never pushes people to do anything it's all about value and content and here's my stuff and if you love it thank you so much and that works really well what i encourage people to do and you'll find that this will convert best for you regardless of what tactic or strategy you use is do what resonates with you and your personality and how you behave the thing about Derek Culver that makes him work is that's just Derek mm. it's not a persona he's putting on nathan leca that's not a persona that's how he really is if you ever right. talk to him outside of a business environment just at an event that's just how he is you like him or you don't mm. uh and so What's The point of all this and, and how this ties into what we're talking about is that all of these things will reflect in your conversions because they'll reflect in how often you send an email. They'll reflect on in the copy in that email. They'll reflect in your calls to action. All of those things tie together. So if you can find your brand, I think what you'll end up finding is that your conversions will increase. And I've seen that across the board.
1: So you're saying if you... Are true to yourself, your conversions will increase, or are you saying if you the people who polarize people tend to have higher conversions?
0: No, nope, not necessarily. But what I, I am saying is yes, if you're true to yourself and that you let that reflect in the way you do your marketing. Yeah. Meaning if you're not so much an aggressive person, understand that your marketing can be less aggressive and you will attract people that are less aggressive. Yeah. The very aggressive people, yes, will likely get more sales more quickly. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that's right or wrong, but that's just probably how it's going to go. But if you're a little bit less aggressive, it can work out incredibly well in the long term. Again, I use Pat Flynn as an example. He's built an incredible business very slowly over the long term and now has a massive audience that loves what he does. Mm. And he never has to be aggressive, which doesn't fit his personality anyway. Mm.
1: But what's the cost, though, Tim? Like, let's look at, say, the Trump campaign, for example, right? He's polarized people a lot. He said things that have offended a lot of people. That comes at a cost, right?
0: Oh, for sure. It comes at a cost. There are people that will hate you. And
1: he's extremely successful. He's playing the media extremely well. But
0: that's exactly right.
1: Is that hurting his brand?
0: I don't think so. I honestly don't. And this is, and I'm not a Trump fan. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have no problem saying that. And if anybody follows me on Facebook, you know I can't stand the guy. But what he's doing is working. Yeah. What he's doing is working. And his chances of becoming the president of the US are getting better by the day, which hmm. really makes me sick to my stomach. But it is what it is. <laughs> From a marketing standpoint, the guy's brand is working, it's resonating with people on a level that nothing else is. And the other people that hate him wouldn't have been his supporters anyway. So that's really what it comes down to is that the people that really hate you are the people that probably would nothing you before they were the people that would go, ah, take them or leave them. So you don't really care about having those people try to buy your stuff because they're not going to buy your stuff anyway. But now if they hate you, whatever, they're going to go talk to their other friends who would nothing you in the first place and just make them hate you too. And the people that love you will go, well, look at those idiots over there talking about how much they hate Donald Trump. What a bunch of idiots. Wait till they see what he does for America. At least that's the perception that they'll yeah. have, but the same thing happens in marketing. Derek Halpern has many very successful clients and customers, and they're all going, "Oh, look at all the idiots who think Derek's a you know an abrasive jerk, and look at how much money Derek's making and how much money I'm making as a result of his training so ha, good for you over there, hating him and his aggressive ways. We're all being successful over here." And that's fine, That and it can work that way. I honestly don't think that, in general, I don't think it works against you too much unless you are a Time Warner Cable that – and I don't know if you guys have Time Warner Cable, but they are the worst – company in terms of customer service. I literally don't know anybody that likes them. The only people that use them are people like me who live in a tiny town of about 2000 people. And our only choice for internet and cable is Time Warner Cable. Right. And that's where it's like, you're not going to get a monopoly. If you're a solopreneur, you're not going to corner the marketplace and have no other options out there. So you can't be like Time Warner Cable. And if you want to be, you should turn off this interview and stop listening. Cause I don't want you to be a jerk. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That was the point I was trying to make, and that was that at some point you have to say, am I being a jerk to get more customers, and is it worth being a jerk to get more customers if that's what you're doing it for? I mean, if if you are a jerk, well, I guess that's just who you are, and your marketing is going to reflect that. I get that part. But sometimes I just feel that some marketers are just doing it to play the media, and I'm thinking specifically of the Trump campaign right now, and yeah. and they're not necessarily – that kind of a person. They're just trying to almost use sensationalism, just like newspapers do, to get more engagement, which is sort of, to some degree, it's just creating a lot of lack of peace in the world.
0: (laughs) And that's the big difference. And that's what I mean is Derek and Nathan and the digital marketer folks are who they are. That's who they are. And so that's what I think works about them. And I don't necessarily think any of them are jerks. No. I'm not saying that they're jerks, but they're aggressive and abrasive and, and it is what it is. Yeah. Again, Ryan from Digital Marketer and Perry, they're not abrasive people, but their, their marketing is abrasive so. but and aggressive, but it works. And, oh. and so I guess my point is that if you are. If you are the kind of person that's hard charging, hard driving, uh, you wanna push, you're the kind of person that hears somebody say, and I'm just gonna use this as an example. If you hear of a personal trainer and the personal trainer goes, you know, if you're fat, it's your responsibility to work on it and you need to go to the gym and you need to push and you need to stop eating garbage. If you don't, it's on you and you're gonna continue to be whatever. If you hear that and you go, yeah, I resonate with that. That's right, take responsibility. Then that's your marketing. You're mm. gonna be more of an aggressive, push marketer, and it might work for you because that's your personality. If you hear that stuff and go, uh, that's really insensitive and gross, and you need to work together as a team, and you know, we'll do this together, and and you know, if that's you, then that's how your marketing should be because it will always be authentic, right. and people respond to authentic. I'll use one last example because sure. I hope that we're not belaboring this point, but There are a couple of different, I'm a big comic book fan, in case you can't, I'm obsessed. (laughs) I mean, literally on my desk next to me, but uh, I'm completely obsessed. And, you know, there are most comic book companies, whether they're comic book stores or online retailers or whatever, are as cool as can be. But there are a few that use traditional old school copywriting sales and marketing tactics And for the very much most part, those don't work because the comic book buying community in general, again, I'm super generalizing, Mm but are very laid back. I mean, think about it. I'll openly admit it. We're a bunch of nerds. (laughs) We like reading books with dudes in tights, you know, beating each other up with laser beams. Okay. I mean, there's obviously more to comics than that, but you know what I mean? And so you know, going, you know, buy now, there's only two hours left before the blah, blah, blah. Sure, it's going to work a little bit, but yeah. that's not the right messaging. The most successful stores in the world are doing very clean, clear marketing, speaking to the audience. A landing page wouldn't say something like get free instant access to this wonderful guide. It would say, put your email address below and we'll teleport the guide to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it speaks to the audience. I love that. It reflects the messaging. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all it has to be.
1: I love that. Now you talked about monopolies earlier on and actually that made me um, think of the fact that pages, until recently was a monopoly in landing page game. Clay has done some absolutely pioneering work in that area but now you've got all these other companies that are appearing, Thrive Themes and so on and Pages have been doing a little bit of work around Center, which they recently launched. So could you talk about where you see the automated marketing and the landing page going. What's the future of lead capture in the coming months and years? And what's lead pages take on it?
0: Sure. Well, first off, I don't think we were ever a monopoly. There have always been great landing page tools out there. It's just lead pages was better, ok uh, and continues to be better, and we are the market leader, that is for sure. We have more customers than any other landing page tool out there by a lot, we have more market share, we have a bigger company, we have more employees. That all is accurate, and we do have the best tool. But all that said, the future of automated marketing, what it comes down to is more and more companies are gonna continue to be smart about the fact that there is this massive unbundling of tools happening. What you'll find is that so many people, so many kind of beginning entrepreneurs, marketers, et cetera, will feel like they want an all-in-one tool. I just wish that my tool could create landing pages and do my email marketing and my Facebook ads and build my whole website and I could blog and I could do this and that and the other thing all in one. Mm-hmm. And then when they get in there and they find some kind of an all-in-one tool that can do all of those things, which I don't know if there is one, but you know they'll find a tool like a HubSpot, which can do a whole lot of stuff. Or Infusionsoft or Infusionsoft, which can do a lot of that stuff, right? What they'll find, and I'm not going to bash either HubSpot or Infusionsoft because they're great companies and great tools, but they'll find that for the most part, those companies are either really good at just one aspect Mm -hmm. of all of those things that they do, or they're not really good at any of them. They're just okay at a whole lot of stuff. Right. And. Sure, in the very beginning, when you have no customers and no list, it might be okay to have tools that are just okay at a lot of different things. But as you are looking to grow your business and really take it to wherever you want to take it, you'll find that you want specialty tools in every area. Mm -hmm. When you have a house, you know, this is a great example. This house is 166 years old. We have an old house. And we tore a room off, we're rebuilding that room, we're doing all sorts of stuff. And we had our contractor over who is the best contractor I've ever experienced. And he's pretty good at a lot of things and he's really good at, at one particular thing, which is what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. But he always brings in specialists for everything else. Right. He'll always say, Sure, I can do electrical, but I'd rather have the electrician. I can do plumbing, but I'd rather have a plumber. He always does that. He always brings those people in because he recognizes that you'd rather have somebody just be the best at that one thing than have them be kind of good at a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. And smart marketers are realizing that that's the case, that there's not a lot of value to using a tool that can do everything okay. Right. So, what I always tell people people say, well, what should I use for, you know, if I'm going to use lead pages? what should I use for email marketing? I'll say, go find the best email marketing tool for your needs. Mm -hmm. And what about this? Oh, well, you should find the best tool of that for your needs. That's the thing is if you talk to Infusionsoft, they'll tell you, use Infusionsoft for your automated backend And use lead pages for your front end, for your landing pages and sales pages and webinar registration pages Mm -hmm. because we're the best at those things. So where the future of automated marketing is is this big unbundling and using specialized tools and having an overlay that communicates with all those tools and makes them all talk together so your marketing is working together so that your data all makes sense together. And that's what Center does. It's kind of your command center where it'll have... Let's say somebody attends a webinar for the first 20 minutes but doesn't buy, well, it can then center can say, okay, great. Hey, MailChimp, send them an email series Uh designed to get them to watch the replay. And then when they watch the replay and don't buy, it can then invite them to a one-on-one call with a sales rep because they didn't buy, but they watched three minutes of the sales video or something. Right. And so it it makes all of your stuff communicate. It takes all of the data and makes it all make sense together so that you know how your tools are working together so that now you don't have to log into Twitter. Twenty different tools to figure out what's working. You don't have to do some convoluted thing where this thing talks to this thing and that thing talks to this thing and somehow they've all got to come together. Center makes that all work together and that's really the future of automated marketing.
1: And how does Center do that? What technology does it use?
0: Center technology. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It uses the most brilliant engineers in the entire world who work for lead pages. I'm not sure what the technology is. It's something that uh, has never been done before, has okay. legitimately never been done before. So Yeah, because I was
1: very curious. It's... I was wondering because it's talking to all these completely diverse applications that are built in so many different using different languages and platforms. So I'm very curious to know how it's actually bringing it all together. But I appreciate that it is something that an engineer can probably answer. And even if they did, I probably wouldn't understand. So
0: it's APIs for the most part. It's connected through APIs for the most part, API integrations and much the same way that lead pages would connect to, you know, MailChimp or Infusionsoft. It's similar. It's just that now it makes them communicate together as the real specialty.
1: Okay. Now that actually segues quite nicely into my next question, which is about the biggest challenges you've noticed with conversions. Now we started talking about conversions, but this has moved very nicely into a broader conversation about integrated marketing and converting a customer or a browser into a customer, but in the context of a whole marketing approach. So let's broaden the discussion a bit. And why don't you tell me the biggest challenges you've seen people face when it comes to creating a solution that converts their prospects or their browsers on their website into long-term customers and how have people sold them? You must have seen a lot of people do that in your time at Pages.
0: Yeah, the biggest challenge that i've seen people face is not needing a beautiful landing page you can get that through lead pages easily it's not not knowing that they need to build an email list it's actually the the number one challenge is that people think they need to to offer as much value as possible right up front and i know that might fly in the face of what we've been talking about but for the most part when somebody first finds you and they first find out let's just say you're a health coach yep well at first they have no idea if you have any real value to offer. right? When you first get to somebody's website and you see a picture of somebody like this mm-hmm. and they're smiling at you, you don't know if that that person knows what they're doing. Yep. So offering a free five-part course that are 10-minute videos of how to lose weight, that person could be a lunatic and you have no idea if they really know what they're talking about. So people now are so bombarded with messages, they see that and they go, I don't uh, know, uh, who knows. Yep. yep. Whereas the real way to initially get somebody is to offer them something, a lead magnet, that is clear and simple and quick and gets them a quick win and is not dependent on you. That's the biggest key in all of it is your first lead magnet, the first thing that people should see should be entirely non-reliant on you. Here's an example. Yep. As a health coach, What could you offer somebody that might help them out that isn't dependent on you? How about the only four pieces of exercise equipment you need in your home to burn fat and gain muscle? Well, hey, I don't have to know if you know what you're talking about to want to know those tools. And if I get that guide, what a quick win I'm getting right there. I can buy a few things for my home to burn fat and gain muscle. And I've instantly got a quick win. And now... You, as the health coach, have somebody who is interested in improving their health on your list, and now all of a sudden you can work with them, and, and I'll give you a kind of a concept to think about. There's this rule that I was taught a long time ago in sales, the 80-20 rule, but I'm not talking about the Pareto principle, right? We know the 80-20 rule, 20% of the effects will generate 80% of the, the, uh, the causes or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but... The 80-20 rule as it applies to sales is this. There's 80% of your potential audience and there's 20% of your potential audience. Mm -hmm. And the 20% of your potential audience we're gonna break in half. So it's really 10% and 10%, right? 10% of your potential audience will buy your stuff no matter what. They're just going to buy. They come to your website, they see it and go, I want it, buy Mm -hmm. Then there's 10% that won't buy no matter what you do. No matter how good of a salesperson or marketer you are, they're never going to buy anything you have. That's it, right? What most marketers will do is they'll go after that 10% that will buy everything no matter what. But what the really successful marketers do is they get the 10%, but they go after the 80%. And the 80% is people that could buy your stuff if they were persuaded to do so. Okay. They're not going to buy right away, but they have to be persuaded. And that's where that resource guide or that one simple PDF that gets them a quick win, that's what attracts that 80%. Because my free five-part video course where I'll show you how I made $500 million last month, that's not going to attract the 80%. That's going to attract the 10%. And that's great. Get the 10%. Get your easy-looking fruit money. But the 80% that has to be persuaded won't opt in for that. They'll opt in for five tools to help you get X results.
1: So something the, the lead magnet's got to be something that is independent of you as the person. It, it shouldn't be tied into your brand or the person doesn't have to believe that Ash or Tim is going to somehow deliver the solution. It can't be Tim doing a video. It's got to be some objective, independent thing that they can consume quickly, which it reminds me when I interviewed Kevin Rogers. I've had him twice on the show. And the second time we talked about it, about attention being the new currency, I actually said, I believe attention is the new currency. And he really liked that because free is no longer free. People are paying you with their time. And so you better That's make right. sure that it's quick to consume, and it's valuable quickly. The value is, is gained quickly. All right, let's go into the action section. I agree. Some of the key actions that have come out for me on from this is try and be true to yourself as a marketer. It's okay if you end up polarizing people. Don't worry so much about that. Worry about whether you're being authentic and you're being your real self. You don't need to go and create the most beautiful landing page in the world offer as much value up front that is easy to consume and that is not reliant on you, that is not in some way tied to you as the person offering the lead magnet. Uh, the 10% of people are always going to buy your product no matter what, but if you want to get that, 10% will always buy, 10% won't buy, but if you want to try to go after the remaining eight percent make it easy, reduce the friction in terms of delivering value to that prospect. And conversions trump Traffic.
0: Yes, that's exactly right. Again, that's one of the most important things that you can ever learn. Traffic is important. There's no question we need traffic. We need people to come to our website to buy our stuff. But it only matters if you're converting that traffic into subscribers and paying customers.
1: I'd rather have 100 people arriving on my website and 50 of them become customers than 10,000 people on my website and 10 become customers.
0: That's exactly right. And you save a whole lot of money when you're sending 100 as opposed to 10,000. Exactly.
1: Well, that's awesome. So let's talk quickly about any books that you've found that have really impressed you and why.
0: Yeah, well, I really enjoyed Ryan Dice's The Invisible Sales Machine uh-huh. from a just pure tactical here's what to do to set up an autoresponder sequence and and a marketing campaign that works. It's really simple. I think I don't even know if he sells it. He was he was giving it away for subscribers for a while, but even if he sells it, it's worth every penny. From a personal entrepreneurial standpoint, the book that's changed my life more than any others was, believe it or not, a a Dave Ramsey book called The Total Money Makeover. Folks who are not Christians will not like the occasional biblical references. Mm -hmm. I personally wasn't a big fan of the biblical references in general, but all that said, the principles that he teaches you about how to get out of debt, how to save money, all that are freaking brilliant okay. because we just like in marketing we try to find all these things that are like, you know, how do I do this and like if I do this this will work, but a lot of the times it's in here. Yeah. And so it's the book that helped me get out of debt and if you want to be able to make whatever decisions you want yeah. in your business, you can't be saddled by just all this debt. Right. That's what helped me a lot.
1: Cool. Well, I'll definitely include those in the show notes. And any suggestions on how listeners can find out more about you? And is there anything else you'd like to add before we say bye?
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if you want to learn more about what we talked about today, if you want a real clear tactical walkthrough, some of the steps we talked about, how to grow your email list, how to turn subscribers into paying customers, I'm doing a free webinar. Oh, cool. uh, it's this yeah. So if you want to join me, it's this coming up Thursday. Uh, it's at 3 p.m. Eastern time. So I know that's not the most convenient time for everybody, but mm-hmm. if you can make it, it's really easy. It's called Your Most Effective Marketing Campaign, How to Automatically Generate More Leads and Sales. Mm-hmm. Again, completely free. To join, if you're in the U.S., text lead pages Live to 33444. So it's Uh live to 33444. Or just go to LeadpagesWebinar.com and register right there. It's live. I answer questions throughout the whole process. So you can, if you've got specific things you're struggling with, you can ask me and I'll answer it live. Uh, And it's just a good time in general. I make a lot of corny, nerdy references. So it'll be (laughs) a good time.
1: Cool. Well, I'll uh, look that up. Online, and I'll post that in the show notes. So it's Leadpages Live.
0: It's Leadpages Live, and you'll text that to 33444, or it's leadpageswebinar.com.
1: So if you go to leadpageswebinar.com, you can register for this webinar. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, I'll put that in the show notes then. Awesome. Well, Tim, thank you for being on the show. It was really awesome having you.
0: Awesome. Thank you for having me. It's been a good time. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?